So today, as part of our Upside Postcard series, which is powered by Sports Tech Advisors, we have the honor to interview Dr. Uh, Dr. Ron Dick, Associate Professor of Sports Marketing at Duke University in the School of Business. So Ron has worked for 20 years in sports, including 15 years in the NBA with the Sixers and the Nets, and then four years in NCAA. So Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Julian. I'm happy to be with you today. Great. So, Ron, you know, what I wanted to talk to you today is talk about your background, uh, your view on the COVID-19 crisis, but also what teams and leagues should do to offset losses in ticket sales and sponsorship. And then uh, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on the financial impact of the COVID-19 on the sports industry. How does it sound? That sounds great. Great. So, Ron, uh, so for the audience and the teams and the people who are listening, can you tell us about your background and how you got into the world of uh, sports and then also in the academic world as well? Yes. Uh, in 1982, I uh, was playing baseball at St. Joe's University. And at the end of that year, I was a sophomore. I uh, wrote four letters to the major teams, the Phillies, the Flyers, the Sixers, the Eagles, requesting an internship. I got three thanks, but no thanks except for the 76ers. So that was the year we won the championship, 82, 83. And uh, I was an intern that year and then also uh, a part-time employee in the second semester. Went down Broad Street, got a championship ring. It, it was it was a fabulous experience at 21 years old. That's cool. And yeah. then when I graduated in 84, they created a position. And I was the director of group sales the last nine years wow. uh, from 87 to 96. And the team was sold. And... Uh, I went to the closest NBA team, which was at the time the New Jersey Nets as director of ticket sales. That happened to be John Calipari's first year there. And uh, it was interesting to see what the Sixers did better than the Nets. The Nets did better than the Sixers to compare two different NBA franchises in the area of sales and marketing. And the people at Temple University said to me, are you going to write your dissertation? Are you going to get this done and kind of get the ball over the goal line and, uh, get your doctorate done. So after getting the master's at St. Joe's and the undergrad at St. Joe's University, I had gone to Temple and uh, had an opportunity to move a thousand miles away to Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, a little Catholic St. Angus Nun school called Marion College. And they took a chance on me when I was ABD, all but dissertation, and I took a chance on them. And uh, it was a great experience. I was there 21 months. I was the full-time faculty member both years. The first year, coach women's tennis and women's basketball. And uh, Division Three, you wear a lot of different hats. And then the second year, I became the athletic director and also taught full-time. Wanted to live near a larger city. And uh, I moved the, I went from the very cold Wisconsin frozen tundra to the University of Houston. We were a member of Conference USA at the time in 99-2000. Very hot and, down there. Uh, Quite hot. Very hot. Hotter than Haiti. And uh, oh, yeah. I was assistant AD for ticket operations and an adjunct professor. So I started doing some of the things I did uh, in the NBA and also uh, in Division Three. You, you move that into Division One, which certainly is very commercialized. And uh, even 20 years ago, it was getting to be very commercialized. And revenue streams were really important as assistant AD for ticket operations. Got the dissertation done at Temple University. And that opened up doors that were not open before. Uh, my dad and mom lived in Reading, PA, and dad was ill, and I had to get back to the East Coast. And uh, I accepted a position in New Haven, Connecticut, University of New Haven, as a college professor. And I was there for four years, which I appreciate them hiring me so that I could be there for the last two years of my dad's life. 
you know, we make moves for a lot of different reasons. Some of them are personal, some of them are professional. Yeah. So at the in 2004, I wanted to go to a school that was AACSB accredited in the school of business, and I moved to James Madison, 0405-0506, a wonderful school in Harrisonburg, Virginia. James Madison, fourth president of the United States, third Virginian out of eight to be president, father of the Constitution, took copious notes under candlelight, married Dolly, she's known for ice cream and cupcakes. So we we had a great experience there. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I did leave there to go back into the school of business at Duquesne. And that's where I'll be the rest of the way. I got tenured in February of 2012. I got engaged August 19th of 2012 and then married in May of May 18th of 2013, and we just had a brand new, our first baby, uh, February 3rd, a little girl, and uh, we're excited. That's exciting. Thank you, and we're excited. So that that's that's me, in a nutshell. Yeah, well, that's great. Thank you, Ron, for providing uh, some some background information. So, you know, so you've been in the world of sports for a long time, right? So mm-hmm. yes, from I your have. perspective, how does the COVID-19 crisis Compared to other events, I remember like, I think, uh, we're like lockout, lock, you know, we had some lockout, you know, with other mm-hmm. leagues like NBA, NHL and so on. You can talk more about that, but how is that different in your view compared to what we're going through now? Well, if you look at the four major sports, uh, in the country, uh, you mentioned the lockout and I think it's important for the listeners to understand there's a fundamental difference between a lockout and a strike. Uh, you know, the fans, we just hear, oh, work stoppage, work stoppage. I don't get to watch my favorite team play, and that's a problem. But if we do a little bit of a deeper dive on that, a strike is when the players say, we're not happy with our contract, or we don't have a contract, or we are not going to play. Now, that happened in baseball on August 12th of 94, and we did not have a World Series uh, in the in the fall of Fall Classic in 94. A work stoppage is when the uh, the uh, the lockout is when the owners lock the doors and say, players, you're not allowed in to the facilities. You're not allowed into the practice facilities. You're not allowed into the arenas. We are, we're suspending business. We are not playing. That happened in the NHL. They didn't have a season, the whole season, which was the 0405. NBA in the fall of 98, we, did, we only had a 50-game schedule that year, yep. 98-99. And... Uh, the Spurs won the championship that year, and some people think it's tainted because it was not an 82-game schedule. I'm not one of those people. I think they earned their their championship in a okay. shortened 50 games in a shortened 50-game schedule. So, in those situations, it wasn't. It was negotiations between the owners, the league office, and the players' union. Uh, this situation is uh, very unique in that. Uh, the players are at risk of possibly, let's pick the NBA in particular. Mm-hmm. We saw a par- player, uh, one of your f- fellow Frenchmen, Rudy uh, Gilbert. Yep. And uh, he, I hope I pronounced that right. He uh, probably didn't know that he had the disease. He played the game yep. and uh, some of his teammates got it. And so did some of the Nets players. He he was bumping and the grinding KD, under the basket with. Too. That way too, right? KD? Yeah, and I don't. He didn't even play, right? I mean, he he was mm-hmm. in street clothes. I don't even know if he was there. But you know, do we know been there, Rudy? Yeah. What was he there? Okay, do we know that Rudy is the one that gave it to them? No, no, we don't even know that either. It's no, very no. mysterious. So it certainly uh, is concerning. Uh, and we have the same issue going on in college sports. 
you know, should we play college sports and put the players at risk? Should we? And the question's always the same thing. Uh, what can you accept as a death rate? Like, how many people is it an acceptable number? Well, yeah. that number's always the same, zero. It's never going to be acceptable. That's right. That, that we, you know, and, and I know we, we don't live in a, uh, we're not a boy in, in, in the plastic bubble, the John Travolta. You know, we, we live out there in, in the world and we bump into different people. But uh, there's so much to uh, unpack here. The in in let's stay with the pro. If the NBA players go back and they just uh, go right into a a tournament, uh, right into a playoff format, uh, that's one thing. And that's what the NHL is going to do. They've now made a decision. We're going to pick a couple sites. We're going to keep everybody there. Pittsburgh is actually one of those sites. It's and the MLS too. The MLS is going to do a three months tournament in Orlando. Uh, oh, okay. MLS is going to do that yep. too. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And uh, but did they did they play any of their regular season games in the MLS? Yeah, uh, they just started in March. They 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 had a couple of games and they had, they had to stop. So they're going to have a tournament in which everybody gets to play. That's right. Okay, and. Uh, then we and go Disney, with the baseball. Situ- the baseball and- situation is a mess because they never really got started into the regular season, mm-hmm. and they're talking about a eighty-game schedule. But now the owners are going back and saying because the revenue streams are limited, meaning no ticket sales, no parking, no concessions, less uh, properties of uh, hats and shirts, and things being sold at the novelty stores. Uh, we we can only pay you half. Initially, it was half of your salary, and now they're saying it might only be a quarter of your salary. Wow! And then some of the players are now saying, uh, "Is it really worth it mm-hmm. to put ourselves at risk?" Because you know the one thing we see about this often, someone gets it in the family, and then they go home, and then everybody gets it in the family. True. So True. I, I certainly can't think less of anybody that, that would not want to put themselves in jeopardy, especially if they have a family. That, well, I'll tell you something. Um, I, I was talking to an athlete trainer of a top MLS teams last Friday, last week, and the mm-hmm. comment that I heard from MLS is that 50% of the players want to go to that tournament in Orlando, but the other 50% do not want to go, especially the ones that have families. So It's a very polarizing. It's a very polarizing topic. And I think the players that are younger that are trying to, exactly. to get the better contract and prove themselves, you know, and put some tape out there of them doing well, they uh, they want to play because they're the only ones at risk is, is themselves. And they think if they get the disease, they're young enough that they can beat it. Whereas, as you just mentioned, some of the other players, maybe more established, longer term contracts, they don't think it's worth the risk. Yep. So I think every every situation is different, right? So yes, absolutely. Um, so, in your opinion, so how can the teams and leagues offset, you know, the loss in in ticket sales and sponsorship, right? So, for example, uh, you know, with the Bundesliga, right? The Bundesliga just started two weeks ago, and you know, thirty percent of their of the Bundesliga revenue comes from TV rights. It's over one point one point three billion, I think. So they're starting uh-huh. to get revenues from TV rights, but you know, trying to offset the loss in ticket sales, right? 
that which I think makes sense. Yes. Uh, so what do you think are going to be the tactics from the teams and leagues to have set losses in ticket sales and sponsorship? Well, I think we should uh, ex expect the TV revenues to be even stronger than normal. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I base that on the NFL draft, which the ratings were through the roof. Yeah. And I give kudos to the NFL for the way they ran that, that, that you whole thing, the sending the packages out with the cameras. Yeah. Yep. They did it very nice. And they followed the WNBA model on a little bit of a lesser scale of Nielsen ratings, but it worked. Now we'll, will we one day do that for the NHL and the NBA draft and the, uh, and the baseball? Uh, draft? Yes, I think they will. When I don't know. I think mm -hmm. the NBA draft is still a go. So its TV ratings should be high. I just think you recoup the finances you can. You can't cry over spilt milk. You 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 just got to accept the fact that that TV revenue is not going to be there. If the players can can take a little bit of a reduction, see this is where the argument comes in. And and the group that's really in trouble is MLB, Major League yeah. Baseball, because. The players is a extremely strong union with no salary cap, and they're asking players that are going to make upwards to forty million this year to to take a severe pay cut. Well, and also the and, uh, the minor leagues are going to get really hurt too. Oh, okay. So yeah, into the MLB uh, minor leagues. Uh, first of all, independent baseball is really in trouble. Yeah. I, I don't know if this they will survive this because those sports, those leagues are always based on ticket revenue mm -hmm. and the signage in the building, the people that are in the stands watching the signage, right? Yep. There's the signage for TV. Well, we can recoup that because the game, millions of people are watching on TV at the highest level of sports. But there, there may be only 60,000 people there for a football game or minor league baseball. There might be 3,000 people there. There might be 2,000 people there. Well, if we don't have that revenue – from the ticket sales, which then meet, makes the sponsorship worthless because there is no TV, very little TV money and no radio money, then they they won't make it. It'll get to the point where you know the owners are just going to say, well, when do you want to close up shop? Because how much can you lose until you say enough's enough? I'm tired of losing money. So I think independent baseball is something that may, may go away as we know it. And now they're saying even some of the single A uh, leagues may go away. You know, we'll always have AAA because you got to have the players that are on the 40 man roster somewhere ready to go in case there's an injury or someone's not playing well. We can send players down, play, send them up. I think AA is pretty strong, but some of these single A leagues may, in baseball, even with a parent team, uh, may not make it. What I've, I've seen, you know, coaches posting stuff around like some so NCAA soccer team, I think just closing the program or something. Um, and then I think in Europe, right, uh, if you take the Ligue 1, right, the Ligue 1, the French soccer team, mm -hmm. soccer league, mm -hmm. they, they mm -hmm. shut down the season entirely. So, and, and you know, so the smaller teams in Ligue 1 are going to be in trouble, I think, um, because TV rights are how they make money. So it's all gone. Yep. So now we've been, I've been watching the KBO, the uh, Korean baseball Yep. organization association and uh <laughs> you know they've been able to have really good sight lines meaning they make the, the camera tight on the picture pitcher when he has the ball and he's getting ready to throw then this then the camera angles are really tight on the catcher 
the umpire and the batter. That's right. And then you really don't notice the empty seats as much. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, when the balls hit to the warning track or over the wall, you know, then, then they can't hide that. And you see behind the outfielders, wow, there is nobody. But for a lot of baseball games, there aren't anybody there anyways, games well, Monday through Thursday. One thing I would mention. And they're pumped. Yeah. And they're pumping in music, right? They're pumping in sound. That's right. Which I yeah. think is fine. I mm-hmm. think that's fine. Makes it feel more real. They did I know that I with would the Bundesliga. Watch. They did that with the Bundesliga with, you know, fake crowd and noises and, and it works. Yeah. I think it's fine. I think it's fine to do that. I make it as real as you can. And uh we're just some of I guess I we all, a lot of us didn't realize how dependent on sports we really are and finding out who who's playing well, who's not, how's my team doing in the standings, like that that stuff really does interest us especially yeah, and, uh, and, and I think, in this country and in in europe i mean we we're on top of things like and, and now it feels like a real void is, is occurring yeah and, and maybe another photo up on that is you know cable tv is relying heavily on live sports and we, uh-huh. we track the numbers and i think the cable tv guys lost six hundred thousand subscribers uh over the last part of the last month it was documented wow and so I think they're they're going to be in trouble um, because live sports is the one thing that's really hooking people to cable TV, right? So yeah, because you never know what's going to happen. That's why when something goes tape delayed, and I already know the score, the outcome of the game, it doesn't have as much appeal to to an audience, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to a live a live event. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many more times ESPN can can keep showing games that we already know what the outcome is, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they can do it only for so long. But the good news is, you know, the leagues are coming back. Bundesliga already started. NASCAR already started. Uh, June 8, uh, Premier League and La Liga are going to resume. So, yes, there will be no fans, but the, 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 the game will come back. So I think that will be a big help. And, and I think that all of us would put it on the TV set, and we would all uh, love to see it. And yeah. I don't, I, it doesn't really bother me that much if there aren't that many people in the stands. Well, I tell you, the, the Bundesliga recorded, I think it was 3.7 million people who watched the Bundesliga. It was a record, record in the book for them. Uh-huh. So uh, nice. it's good and bad, right? I think that will continue. I think that will continue here in the United States too. Yeah. No, that, that, and, and you talk about the financial impact. So I've seen some statistics. Some people are saying that the NFL could lose $5.5 billion in revenue. Uh, the XFL uh-huh. also, you know, filed for bankruptcy. And there are some other estimates uh-huh. per league. I think the Liga, I think they were estimating about $400 million that they could lose. Uh, so that's, uh-huh. that's going to have a massive impact, right? On those leagues. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And the fans, some of the retired players, uh, in MLB have, have spoken up and they've said, uh, listen, uh, the guy out there, 30% unemployment, people filing for unemployment. You know, it's billionaires arguing with millionaires. That's right. And the guy that just lost his job doesn't want to hear that uh, someone that makes seven million dollars to pitch baseballs uh, doesn't. Uh, and you want to cut his salary to three point five. Uh, Snell down in Tampa Bay. The, the average fan doesn't want. You know, person doesn't want to hear about him complaining about that. That's right. Because I'm concerned about putting food on my table, wow, paying my rent. Good. So today, the the U.S. reported 40 million unemployed people in America. 40 million. Yeah. 
out of number. we have three hundred twenty-eight million in the whole country. Uh-huh. That that's all. That's a nice percentage. That's too big. It's a big percentage. But then the stock market continues to go up. Yeah. So it's it's a very interesting um, people buying dynamics. Stocks. I mean, people are buying stocks every I, every day. Yeah, because they think this will come back bigger than ever, and the Nasdaq is, is setting records almost every day. It feels like. So it it's it's like the haves, the used to haves and the have nots. You know, we seem to be going down a dangerous path mm-hmm. of uh, social economic divide, and that's not healthy for our country. Yeah. And uh, I think we all need to be sensitive to that. And, and we have our own issues. I know. I know you want to talk about sports, but the sports does carry into college, especially mm-hmm. at the five major conferences: the SEC. Big Ten, the Big Twelve, the ACC, the Pac Twelve. The you know, are they going to play? And some schools can, and some schools can't. That's right. Uh, and how does that affect the conference? I mean, the AAC is a pretty good athletic conference. It's newer, uh, but they have nine states rep- represented in their conference. So the states and the universities that are in the center of the country are kind of like, hey, let's go. We think we're okay. This thing is not the same problem that you have in Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, D.C. in particular, or in California on the coast where the majority of the people live. And uh, what are we going to do about that? So the commissioners are scrambling. The athletic directors are scrambling. The presidents are scrambling. And who would want to be the president that would send students back into the dorms and then, God forbid, something happens to one of the students? Yeah, it's it's complicated. Uh, you know, you made a comment earlier about stocks going up. I, I tell you, from a sports tech perspective, um, there are some big winners today. I mean, Zoom uh, went from like a couple of millions to 200 million users, right? Zoom users. Yeah. Uh, companies yeah. like uh, Peloton, their stock went up like 13% uh, because of it. Um, you know, esports is booming. Uh, esports is projected to reach $1.1 billion this year. So... Yes, there are some losers, but there's also winners out of this thing, right? Yeah. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I two years ago people told me the stocks to buy for e stocks, uh, esports. Why? And uh, of course I didn't. Yeah, and, and now they're going crazy. I just the concept is just amazing to me that people would want to see other people play play uh, video games. I it, it's just amazing. Yeah, I talk to my kids. They just they're hooked to uh, yeah Fortnite exactly. And yeah, that demographic of the thirteen to the thirty group is is it's off the charts, and yeah, we all should have bought that stock for sure. Yeah, uh, but you know, I guess and maybe right, still should. <laughs> which right? So you know, go, going back to uh, to pro sports, and you know, from your days when you worked for the Sixers or the Nets, I mean, mm-hmm. what would advice mm-hmm. would you give to teams and leagues looking to to get through this and and generate revenues? You know, without laying off a good chunk of their staff. I mean, it's got to be complicated, right? Everybody's got to chip in, right? Exactly. Everybody's got to chip in. Um, Matt Scherzer with uh, MLB, with the world champion uh, Washington Nationals, he was very outspoken that there's no reason for us to talk anymore to the owners and to the teams if this is going to be their attitude. They really want the players to share in the decrease in salaries. They want a significant decrease after they're backing away from their original proposal, which seemed more acceptable. Uh, 
you know, again, the common person, it's hard for us to, you know, understand billionaires arguing with millionaires. But I think the owners, it's easy for me to say because it's not my money, but they should bite the bullet, you know, pay the players their salaries or something fair yeah. percentage of their salary. And just know, look, my, my, you know, the Los Angeles Dodgers are worth more than $2 billion, mm-hmm. right? That's what the team sold for eight years ago or so. So, you know, you're going to get yours. Like, take a little bit of a hit now. You know you're going to continue to, to go up. Uh, I think it's on the owners to kind of take a little bit of a hit right now. Uh, the player's window is, is limited on how many years they can play. And if they do that, we can get the teams up and playing and, and getting something for people to watch on TV. I think that they'll be pleasantly surprised how much they they make off the uh, the ratings of, of the uh, television. Yeah, I think you're right. So, and you mentioned also earlier, you know, the the South Korean uh, baseball and even soccer leagues are resuming. Uh, Bundesliga is resuming, mm-hmm. and there's a new norm with players, um, you know, being tested for temperature screening. Um, <clears throat> the yep. Coaches have to wear <clears throat> mask on the sideline. They have to wash the clean yep. up the ball every 15 minutes. So this is kind of yep. the new norm, right? No, the new norm in for sports. So right, absolutely. No, no hot tub together. Yeah. No sharing glasses together. Uh, no fans. N- n- yeah, no fans. Um, you know, we just have to really be careful. And uh, you know, the problem is, uh, and we saw that spike in, in Germany. People get lazy. You know, people get undisciplined. Even walking around Home Depot. Uh, you know, I'm seeing it says one way walking. People just walking wherever they want. I'm not five or six feet away from anybody. I got my mask on and a glove, but yet no other people aren't honoring that that uh, that request. And you know, you feel like you're at risk because nobody wants to bring this home to their family. That's right. But the, I guess the one million know, and, that and that, that that includes uh-huh. multi-billionaire owners and millionaire players. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's. What's really interesting in college, and I still don't know uh, if my university is going to go back face-to-face or not, I think a lot of eyes and ears are going to be on Notre Dame August 10th. And you say, well, what's that? Notre Dame's model is they're going to start early. They're going to start August 10th. They're going to play their sports, and they're going to be closed for business at the end of the semester by Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. They'll do their final exams online. And then they won't reopen probably till the middle of end of January in case there is a second wave of this virus. That's right. Uh, we we are supposed to open up face to face two weeks later on the twenty fourth. So if we see this spread like wildfire uh, through a college campus, I think we'll all pump the brakes and go online. Yeah. And that changes the whole dynamics of higher education if it's online versus face to face. I think. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, but we can control our students as far as the classroom. We could even do food, all takeout. Mm-hmm. We can do only takeout. We could do that. We could go in the dorm rooms and not have community showers anymore. We could have where you had three students in a room. You could have two, two excuse me. When you had two students in a room, you could have one. We can do all that. But mm-hmm. what happens Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if there's football, when they go out and socialize? And they get in mosh pits, and they they play beer pong, and they and yeah. they they share glasses, Probably. and they're and they're horse playing around, and then they start dating each other, you know, and all the things that come with that. 
that's where the virus could spread. That's right. Um, we saw what happened in March, the minute we closed down our college campuses. So many young people thought it was like an extended spring break, and they went down to Florida. Yep. And then we had to use one of the Jenner girls to put out a uh, public service announcement on her as an influencer and say, hey, gang, you got to stop doing that. We saw it spread like wildfire when they went down to the beaches of Florida and uh, started partying. So that's a real concern for us. Uh, dealing with younger people who think they're invincible. Yeah, yeah, they always do. Um, so, yeah, you know, yes, the 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 leagues are restarting, but how, you know, when do you think, or how long do you think it will this new norm uh, with masks mm -hmm. and no fans will last? I mean, are we talking about early twenty twenty one, mid twenty twenty one? At mean, least, at least, yeah, at least until we get a vaccine. Vaccination is the answer. Yeah. Nobody knows. It, it, this will always will all be tippy-toeing around, wearing masks, gloves, if you use an ATM, until we have a vaccination. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's really that simple. I know that's that's uh, what most people are saying, that, that it's uh, no one's going to feel real comfortable until we know that we are not going to get this thing. And we also got to look at the elderly. I'm concerned on sporting events, and I'm concerned about college campuses, about some of the elderly faculty members. Mm -hmm. You know, that I'd say administrators too, but it seems like faculty hang on a little longer in their careers than the administrators do. You know, what if you have a faculty member who's 70, 75, 80, and they're, you know, still want to keep teaching and they're still productive, and then they're in the elevator or they're in the very narrow, hallways, you know, and in and, and the stairwells. And a group of kids have it and they breathe on each other and they, they get up close to talk to the professor and it gets on them and they don't make it. I mean, that's a possibility. Yeah. That's something that we should all be concerned about, especially our elderly. Yep. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, that's a good point. Um, so I know, well, so you used to work for the Nets, right? Uh, you work for the Nets. Yeah. Um, I lived in the Bay Area, you know, kind of a Warriors fan. Steph Curry and Clay, and you know mm -hmm. when KD, right, Kevin Durant comes back, probably next mm -hmm. year, play for the Nets, and then mm -hmm. you know the Warriors get Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and those guys back. Mm -hmm. You know, do you think that mm -hmm. the Nets have a good chance to to go far in the playoffs? And same same questions for the Warriors. Yeah, so we're going more outside of the business and more in like the scouting and the player end. That's right. Uh, I mean, it's the NBA more so than any league is a star driven league. And, you know, back in the day, we watched things like the last dance and, you know, this is before people were putting all these dream teams together and players have such power right now in the NBA. And, uh, yeah, sure. Could we have a Nets versus Golden State final? Yeah, of course. I think, uh, I think they're two, two going to be two of the better team players. Uh, with Kyrie Irving also, and, and you know, you, you just, everybody's got to stay healthy, right? I mean, uh, $40 million this year not to play is, is a lot of money, but uh, he's certainly one of the, the best players in the league. And uh, I think Golden State had a terrible year, but they uh, make some moves with their player personnel, then they get some uh, some other players back. Yeah, sure, of course they can make a run. But there's a lot of good teams in, in, in the league, and 
it just seems like it's a star-driven league now more than ever before. And if you don't have one of those stars, it's going to be hard for you to uh, to be competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's not good. That's not good for the league. Uh, parity is a wonderful thing for sports and nobody has better parity than the, uh, than the NFL, Mm -hmm. right? They make the schedule. So it's a little easier for the teams that struggled the year before. Now, of course the Patriots, you know, (laughs) they, uh, they're, they are a dynasty, but I think a small market. Yeah. Well, probably not anymore. Small, a small market team like green Bay or Pittsburgh, we can jump up and, and be just as competitive as the bigger market teams. And that's because we have revenue sharing, and that's because we have uh, we have parity, and we have a very hard salary cap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas the Pirates versus the Dodgers versus the Pirates versus the Yankees and the Red Sox, where people are spending over $250 million a year on their payroll, and the Pirates are spending $60 million on their payroll, uh, you, you can see where there's probably a chance the – the bigger markets with the bigger TV revenue will be able to go out and sign those free agents uh, that we know are stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So look, uh, we, we are at the end of the uh, this podcast interviews, uh, but I think it was a great conversation. Uh, I'd like to thank you for your time. Uh, and, and please stay My stay. pleasure, Julian. And, and good luck with all that. And uh, everybody out there listening in podcast world, uh, stay safe. Stay, stay smart and uh, wear that mask. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing that too. Well, thank you. Or stay at home or just stay at home and watch on TV. <laughs> That's right. Whatever you can watch. But thank you. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Julian. Thank you. Where you can watch. But thank you.